Welcome to the PD tour of the Francis Marion Trail podcast, following the driving trails developed by the Francis Marion Trail Commission in South Carolina. You'll hear stories of the Swamp Fox, the Revolutionary War hero, General Francis Marion. The podcast is a creation of the Florence Convention and Visitors Bureau with adaptations of stories collected by the Francis Marion Trail Commission. Some are historical accounts and others may be folklore. We'll let you listen and decide. This episode can be enjoyed while driving to Indiantown Presbyterian Church near Indiantown, South Carolina. One Against Seven, Gavin Witherspoon. Francis Marion's brigade was composed of mostly farmers, backwoodsmen, and merchants, rather than trained, disciplined soldiers. Leaders often found that if they wanted something done, they had to do it themselves. Shortly before the Battle of Black Mingo, Gavin Witherspoon, grandson of people who settled in the King's Tree in 1736, found himself in just such a predicament. Known as the Big Colonel and also as Big Mouth because of his quirky grin, he was both tough and brave. When Marion led most of his brigade to the Great White Marsh in North Carolina to escape destruction by a much larger British and Tory force, a few men were left behind to scout and gather intelligence on enemy activity. Witherspoon and others were a part of the group who stayed and hid in the Peaty Swamps. The swamp offered some protection, but Big Gavin was well aware that there were Tories seeking him and his little group. And sure enough, as they cautiously made their way through the swamp, they stumbled upon a camp, obviously Tory. Witherspoon knew that the Tories would like nothing better than to kill or capture him and his companions. He immediately decided that he and his men needed to capture the Tories before they were discovered. Witherspoon ordered his four men to hide in the swamp watched the camp until Tories returned, and then surprised them after they had gone to sleep. Witherspoon's men, however, would have none of it. Fearing that the Tories greatly outnumbered them and that they would be killed, they flatly refused the assignment. So Big Colonel did what any southern-hearted Scots-Irishman would do. So Big Colonel did what any stout-hearted Scots-Irishman would do. He did it himself. Hiding in the swamp near the camp, he watched until the seven Tories returned ate their supper, and went to bed under the cover of an uprooted pine tree, their weapons propped some distance away on one of the tree's limbs. Stealthily creeping into the camp, Witherspoon moved and hid their weapons, and then, drawing his own gun, he roused the sleeping Tories, demanding their surrender. Roused from a sound sleep, they had no idea how many soldiers were with Witherspoon, and assuming they were surrounded and fearing for their lives, they quickly surrendered. Once this hard part was accomplished, Witherspoon's men appeared from out of the swamp and assisted him in searching the prisoners for other weapons and transporting them. Gavin Witherspoon, the big colonel, was willing to face seven enemy soldiers on his own and earned himself a place in the lore of American history. Apple Cider and Ori's Patrol Retreat is not normally a word associated with victory, but the story of apple cider and Peter Ory's patrol is a classic exception. British Major Robert Mickleroth and his troops were moving back toward Kingstree from Nelson's Ferry when Francis Marion caught wind of their position. It was rumored that Colonel Samuel Tynes, leader of the Loyalist militia, had come out of hiding and was going to be fighting alongside Mickleroth's troops, making the British even stronger. Francis Marion was eager to fight this enemy before they grew in size and strength and became even more formidable. 
Marion rounded up his troops and set out to find the British and their loyalist allies. Marion stopped off in Indiantown briefly to devise the strategy and put in place, quote, the proper precautions against surprise. He ordered Colonel Peter Ory to send a patrol through the high hills of Santee to Colonel Tyne's new loyalist militia post located at Fort Upton and engage this enemy if practical. Ory's patrol rode through the night along the road east of Black River. Ory's men then made a stop at a tavern whose owner was known for having sympathy toward the British and loyalists. Ory's patrol treated the tavern keeper with the rough attention they felt on account of his political persuasions. The patrol finished lunch and Ory began to question the tavern keeper. Meanwhile, the clever tavern keeper's wife led one of Ori's men to a shed behind the tavern. She silently pointed to a barrel of brandy apple, of which the soldier immediately began to imbibe. The soldier then called over some of the other men of the patrol. They all enjoyed several rounds in addition to filling their canteens to the brim for later enjoyment. As the men set off again, Ori began to notice that they were oddly giddy and constantly sipping from their canteens. He asked what they were drinking, to which they replied, "'Water, sir, water. Nothing but water.' Ori knew this was a bold-faced lie, as he said later that, quote, Some grinned in my face like monkeys, and, and others looked as stupid as asses, while the others chattered like magpies. All of the troops were extremely drunk, except for Captain Nelson and Colonel Ori, of course. Their guide was a portly fellow who ambled back and forth in such a grand manner that he finally lost his footing and came crashing onto the ground, a, quote, limp and sodden mess of the drunken blubber. The troops could not move forward. Their cries created such a ruckus that it would have been impossible to sneak up on a dead man, and they were all too clumsy and drunk to fight in a battle. Ori ordered a retreat. Ori said that that movement was executed with all the noise and irregularity that might be expected from a troop of drunkards, each of whom, mistaking himself for the commander-in-chief, gave orders according to his own mad humor, and whopped and halluded at such a rate that I verily believe no bull drivers ever made half the racket, he said. To have led men in such condition into action would have resulted in their slaughter. Ori said, I therefore instantly ordered a retreat. It may seem as though the attack on Fort Upton failed when the troops turned into a drunken circus. However, that was not the case. Ori's drunken troops created such a clamor with their inebriated revelries that the Black River loyalists, in a state of alarm, spread word that Marion's troops were in the area. Quote, Ori's comic foray was, however, as effective as a battle. His whooping and drunken troopers, raging like bull drivers in a hassle, terrified the loyalists along the Black River. By the time the story reached Upton Hill, it became so exaggerated that it was said that General Harrington's command was marching to Fort Upton to attack. Only 20 of Tyne's militia stayed with him. The rest left immediately upon hearing this story. The impressive loss of troops frightened Tynes into leaving Fort Upton and begging for permission to reassign as militia leader. His resignation was accepted. The battle, if it had occurred, would not have had a favorable outcome for Ori's patrol, even if they had been sober. Casualties would have resulted on both sides. Instead, Ori's troops had to worry only about their colossal hangovers. The actual result of this drunken misadventure were far more beneficial than anyone could have imagined. Lives of both patriots and loyalists were spared, injuries avoided, and the loyalists were suppressed. Ironically, a large amount of apple cider and a drunken retreat resulted in one of the oddest victories of the Revolutionary War. A Church on Fire, Indian Town When Major James Weems, a British Army officer, burned the Indian Town Presbyterian Church, he probably had no idea that this act would ignite a different kind of fire. 
The burning pride and anger in the hearts of the patriots would engulf the British and Tories in an emotional guerrilla warfare of attrition in the southern campaigns, which would significantly contribute to the British defeat at Yorktown. The burning of the Indiantown Presbyterian Church, ordered by Weems, and the scorched earth destruction of the homes and farms of Williamsburg caused the British to lose the hearts and minds of the people to the patriot cause. The Swamp Fox seemed to instinctively understand the military importance of guerrilla warfare, of treating his enemy with compassion, and of winning the respect of the people, even those who did not initially favor his cause. When the Swamp Fox withdrew his small militia force to the Great White Marsh to avoid destruction by a much larger British and Tory force, Major Weems had entered Williamsburg and was joined at Kingstree by Captain Amos Gaskins, a hated and conniving Tory. Weems went on a rampage, assisted by Gaskins, carrying out the orders of Lord Cornwallis to disarm in the most rigid manner all those who had joined in the uprising against British rule. Because many of the citizens of Williamsburg were Scots-Irish descent and Presbyterian, Weems had come to the conclusion that the Presbyterian church at Indiantown was a focal point of the uprising and decided to destroy it as a lesson to the populace. Ironically, Weems was himself a Scot and a Presbyterian. Weems was heard to say, quote, this is a sedition shop, as he burned the church. The burning of Indiantown Presbyterian Church did not weaken the tough Scots of Williamsburg district, but rather served as a catalyst to unite and motivate them and other Williamsburgers against the British and Loyalists. This incident, along with the hanging of Adam Cusack and the destruction and pillage of much of Williamsburg, drove many people of all races and social classes to align with Marion, who recruited many men for the Williamsburg militia. British officers like Weems, Banaster Tarleton, and Tories like Amos Gaskins sowed the seeds of British and Loyalist defeat. At this time, you should be at or near your destination, Indiantown Presbyterian Church.